morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Vanguard. For Spike, Childish Gambinju, Cohen, I am Matt Wright, and together we are traversing the muddied waters of freedom. Gambinju? And look, I am running out. I only know so many rappers, and... I am dredging the bottom of the barrel to keep coming up with new ones. When are you going to call me Rick Rothstein? Next week. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. Hey, folks. Thanks for tuning in to the Muddy Waters of Freedom. Matt, how was your week? My week was fantastic. That's great. I watched the uh, new Paul Hogan movie, which I didn't know Paul Hogan still made movies. Wow. Yeah, yeah I didn't know that either. That's. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was not good, but it was Paul Hogan, so I watched every second of it. Well, that's awesome. I wish I could still watch movies. I flew, I flew to uh, Chicago, did some stuff there. We'll talk about it in the uh, towards the end. We'll talk and do a campaign update on everything. But basically, I flew around all week, uh, actually, even before last week, for over a week, and I'm back for tonight and tomorrow, and then I'm flying out again to Pennsylvania, but we'll talk more about that later. Um First and foremost. First and foremost, let me thank Casey Nether Campbell for the kava that I am drinking on today's episode. Kid Judy. That would be a good one. Here, add that. Uh, and allow me to thank someone put that in the comments. Uh, and allow me to thank Kroger. He's Kid Cootie. He's a rapper. Matt. The problem is we put a very, very white Cootie? person. Yeah, Kid Cootie. I always thought it was Kid Cuddy. No, it's Kid Cody. Uh, and allow me to thank Kroger for this delicious, purified drinking water that I drink now. Bulavanaka. Bulavanaka. Before we uh, get into uh, all the other stuff, real quick, I want to say uh, last week I was very frazzled and I forgot to do this. But we need to give a very special shout out to Billy Meyer or Billy Mayer. I don't know how to say your last name, man. And I apologize because he did the intro music. Uh, for last week and he sent it to us and he asked if we would one time play it as an intro music um, and I told him yes because we love fan submissions and we will always play well we'll pr- usually play them um, depending on what they are and so shout out to Billy for uh, that song uh, I think it was called The Fourth and uh, thank you for submitting it to us yeah to thank play. you Billy thank you for your submission and thank you for uh Thank you for, uh, we will use it in the future. Um, I didn't use it this time because we were so behind that I didn't have time to enter it into the streaming software, but we will definitely use it in the future. Um, so thank you so much for that. Um, and so this episode, of course, is brought to you by the Libertarian Dad Bod Calendar featuring some of the sexiest libertarian men to ever be both libertarian and assigned male. Uh, at the same time, and uh, including yours truly there, Mr. April, the sweet summer boy, Spike Cohen himself. This is a great social distancing tool. If you want to keep have people stay six feet or more away from you, just wave one of these bad boys around. LibertarianDadBod.com. All proceeds go to help uh, various libertarian campaigns and the Libertarian Party in general. LibertarianDadBod.com. It's only $12, including shipping. And uh, for $30, including shipping, I'll sign it for you. 
Uh, this episode is also brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing waffle caucus in the Libertarian Party. Actually, the fastest growing caucus in the Libertarian Party. Update on that as well later on. This episode is also brought to you by Black Coffee, spelled B-L-V-C-K, because why the hell not? Black organic coffee, organic cold-brewed coffee, the way that Mother Nature always intended. Go to blackbrews.com to get yours today and use checkout code MW to get free shipping on your black coffee. This episode is also brought to you by the Jorgensen Cohen campaign. Jorgensen Cohen campaign. You can get your signs today, your Jorgensen Cohen signs, just like that, uh, by going to joe20.com. You can also join our team. You can make a donation, or and you can get one of these sites. Jorgensen This episode is also brought to you by Chris Reynolds, personal injury attorney. Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, who would like you to know that he loves you very much and wants to represent you for your personal injury case in Florida, if you ever have such a thing. If you have a personal injury case in Florida, in, in Florida. Chris Reynolds... Is, is the man to call. He is the man to call. Chris Reynolds Law dot com. Matt? Superfan Sarah Anderegg says that the uh, black coffee is, uh, I want to make sure I quote her correctly. She says, that's good coffee. And you know. Is that, did you need would, to double check I, that quote? Well, I wasn't sure if she said great or good. Uh, I would, because I, I would have called it great. I would have called it great coffee personally, but super fan Sarah Anderegg uh, calls it good. Super um, fan Sarah, Sarah, super fan Anderegg. Sarah, super fan Anderegg. Well, good. I'm glad to know that. Yeah. Black coffee, uh, black brew, BLVCK brews.com. So speaking of there's not, well, we don't have a thing. Um, oh yeah, we do have a thing actually. Now is the time for our, for our segment. Speaking of black brews coffee, now is the time for the black brews, cold brewed, caffeinated, rapid fire segment brought to you by blackbrews.com. Again, use code MW to get free shipping today. Uh, we start with the top of the story, which is, uh, about a man who, uh, was a libertarian, but he was much more than that. He was also an activist. He was an evangelist for the message of liberty. He was someone who was trying to bridge divides between people of different uh, groups and uh, ethnicities and demographics and backgrounds uh, to rally around a cause of setting people free in our time. Uh, his name, he was also a uh, devoted uh, fiance and uh, a family man and someone who uh, died fighting to protect others. His name is Garrett Foster. Um, and he leaves behind a loving fiance who misses him very much uh, named Whitney and also uh, the family who misses him. Uh, Garrett was at a protest in uh, Austin, Texas last week when a driver, and we want to be clear, we don't know if the driver did this intentionally or if it was accidental, uh, but a driver rode dro uh, during a protest. A driver ran a red light and turned into uh, protesters who were legally and safely cro crossing the street. Uh, he almost hit those protesters. Uh, Garrett was nearby. He got his fiance out of harm's way, uh, approached the uh, the driver's vehicle, and the driver shot him five times, killing him, and then sped off. 
Um, there was a lot of misinformation uh, when this first came out. Uh, there were people who said that Garrett fired his rifle first because there were two. Uh, there was the sound of five gunshots followed by three gunshots. So some people thought Garrett fired first and then the the driver fired. The driver fired first and then some other uh, person, uh, I think a medic, someone who was in the crowd, fired uh, at the driver uh, as he was speeding away. Garrett never fired his weapon. This has been confirmed by all of the witnesses as well as the police. Uh, there was also then some misinformation that uh, Garrett had pointed his his, his rifle uh, at the off at the at the driver. He did not do any such thing. Uh, he had it at low ready, so basically he had it like this. It was pointed almost at his feet, um, so there was no he was not pointing it at anyone. Um, and then finally, there was some misinformation. Uh, people who believed that the driver had been swarmed by protesters who and he was just so frightened as a result of that. He drove into protesters and they understandably were very upset and started pounding on his hood because he almost killed them. Um, again, we are not going to try to say whether this was uh, intentional or not. We don't know, at least as of the last time I checked, we don't know uh, whether this was intentional or not that he did that. But he did do that. And, uh, and Garrett died trying to protect uh, protesters and those around him. Uh, he was a libertarian. He was a great supporter of the movement for liberty. Uh, and he will be missed. He will certainly be missed by us. Um, there's not a good way to segue there's from no that. Segue there's no, there. there's no good way to segue from that, uh, other real than quick, to say, go ahead. Real quick, before you go into that, uh, to, to Brett Robertson, uh, I also use the coffee club that you mentioned. I'm not going to say their name because they aren't our sponsors. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, I love, uh, getting their coffee every month. It is. I look forward to that day every year. And to Ryan, I haven't tried your grilled cheese yet, but trust me, it's on my list of grilled cheeses to try. And if anybody doesn't know what that is, if you send us a message, you're going to get an auto response that says, we aren't here to take your message, but leave us your best grilled cheese sandwich. And to the people that do, I usually try them. Yeah, I can't because I'm on a very strict autoimmune diet hey, and I'm not allowed to eat dairy or most grains but if you come up with a gluten-free vegan god i hate saying that um <laughs> if you come up with a not cheese not dairy uh not dairy just, just don't even don't just don't, dairy don't substitute yeah, just, yeah if you don't want to just don't just don't just just leave me out of it just leave me out of it it's fine i don't even care whatever um so so moving on to other news that we will make fun of, because we certainly will not make fun of Garrett, but we will make fun of these people. Joe Biden made an appearance on a podcast from his basement, as he is wont to do. As he has been doing ever as since. As he has season. been doing in the form of his campaign. And asked, he was asked about how he felt about nurses. Now, this should be a, just a layup question. There's no reason for this to have been... I'm still betting he thought this was a layup question. He gave the layup answer. In his he, mind, he gave the layup answer. He Here's what he had to say. And I had a nurse at, at uh, nurses at uh, Walter Reed Hospital who would bend down and whisper in my ear. Wow. And go home and get me pillows. They would make sure they'd actually, probably nothing ever taught in, uh, you can't do it in the COVID time, but they'd actually breathe in my nostrils to make me, Move to get get me moving. What? I, well, I want to know what she's whispering in his ear. 
to get him moving. Well, no, to, she's whispering in the ear, and then she went home and got him pillows. Like, did she not want to use the hospital pillows? Were these pillows so that when she's smothered? But then they'd be her pill, her, her pillows. Yeah, that's true. They would be her pillows, or her husband's. I, I'm I'm gonna have to listen to that again because I believe that it's possible that I'm just not comprehending what he's saying. I'm gonna try one more time. Let's try this. Try this just one more time. And I had a nurse at at uh, nurses at uh, Walter Reed Hospital who would bend down and whisper in my ear. Wow. And go home and get me pillows. They would make sure they'd actually probably nothing ever taught in. Uh, you can't do it in the COVID time, but. They'd actually breathe in my nostrils to make me move, to get get me moving. What what I really like about that. I still don't. I still, I don't. What I really like about the second part is he was actually right on the right train of thought initially. He was like, where he said, I would have nurses that would, well, it's probably not taught. Well, you can't do it in the COVID times. They would breathe into my nostrils. You're right. That is not taught. Unless That's, you are an infant, no one you are giving CPR to an infant. No one, no one is teaching that. No, nobody is teaching that. If that. a grown you, you man there, that is definitely they don't teach that in school, and there's many reasons for that. Definitely, <laughs> now he was correct. You don't do that in the time of COVID. Where you he trailed off there is COVID. that you should really just never do that. Yeah, and Brandy Carter in the comments says to get him moving right. Like, I don't remember why he was in Walter Reed. I probably should have looked that up, but I figured that that was funny enough on its own that I didn't want to damper, damper by trying to like by trying to find out what suss out why he was even. Yeah, I I am not sure how to process that. I don't know. I like I I anyway. So not to be outdone uh, by his running by well, his running mate by his opponent that might as well be his running mate because their policies are basically I'd basically the same, just branded slightly differently. Uh, Donald Trump uh, sent out a campaign email last week advertising commemorative coins featuring pictures of him and former President Ronald Reagan. Yes. Picture there in this super high quality photo. And I, I have to apologize about how poor that photo looks, but that is the one that was in the email that I received. So it was actually uh, a, a super low quality photo in the actual email. In the actual email. Okay. So I had to see it. So everybody else got to see it. There we go. Now we all had to watch this. So, right. but then the Reagan foundation I'm being told isn't happy about that. Is that correct, Matt? No, they, um, have asked the RNC and the Trump campaign to not use the former president's likeness in the campaign. And Reagan Foundation Chief Marketing Officer Melissa Giller said in a statement, we own the likeness of President Reagan and they used his image for the coin without our consent. We called the RNC and asked them to cease and desist the use of President Reagan on the coin and they agreed. When the president that you try to associate yourself with the most had his foundation say, don't use my image. Please a stop. Republican president's foundation told a Republican president 
please just yeah we, don't just can you not can we just can you, not do that you, let's act let's act like we're different parties let's just act let's just not <laughs> let's not do that uh, uh so speaking of gold sure sure uh gold has hit a record high this week uh with the value of it soaring to 1943 an ounce uh, beating out the uh, previous record of 1923 announced in September in 2011. And why is well, just a mystery. September of uh, 2011 was the end of the worst quarter since the beginning of the financial crisis. Mm. Very certain that the dollar was going to collapse at any moment. And okay. people started buying up all of the gold, causing prices to skyrocket. Right. And now, wait, that can't be right. Trump tells me the economy is doing great. Job numbers are great. This That can't be right. This oh, is not. The exorbitant government spending and printing of money causing a devaluation of the dollar and potential collapse of the financial arena in America. Okay, but why is the price of gold going up, though? Because it still has value. Oh. Because it's, it's not that can. gold is any more valuable. It's that the money is worth less and less. Right. Ah. It's, and gold is more valuable because, well, yeah. You are, yes, you are correct. It's I'm, the money I'm still... I'm still right. chalking this up to one of those things that we just, the world may never know why. The world may never the know. World, the world will probably never know why the price of gold is going and, up at such a time. And it is expected that gold will hit $2,000 an ounce by the end of September. 2,000 wow. bucks. Yeah. 2,000 buckaroos. Now, thankfully, the Republican Party uh, is, uh, they're going to be introducing fiscal responsibility any minute now, right, Matt? Any, any, any second now. Any second any, now. Any second, uh, we're going to be seeing fiscal responsibility from the Republicans who also rolled out the. Uh, Heels Act today, the well, that, Health Health Economic Assistance Liability Protection and Schools Act. Well, that sounds good. Uh, that sounds like something that's going to be uh, fiscally conservative and, and help reduce uh, the cost of government, or at least reduce the increase in the cost of government. Is that correct? You would think so. Yeah, you mm-hmm. would think that something along those lines would be going on. But their proposal costs roughly a trillion dollars or this is the way I like to look at this. If paid off at $1 a second, 31,710 years. Oh, wow. That's, that doesn't sound terribly fiscally conservative. Um, now, think, but hopefully, now, thankfully, the Democrats are so outraged by that that they are proposing massive reductions in government spending to try to get things under heel and stop the uh, rampant overspending in government uh, that is leading to the massive soaring increase in the cost of living. Is that correct? That would make sense. That would make a lot more sense than what's actually happening. Cause right. the Democrat proposal is uh three trillion or 
95,130 years at the $1 a second model. Oh, gosh. So basically, this is an argument over how fast we want to sink the ship. Right. Yeah. Good. So the proposal was outlined on Monday afternoon by Senate Majority Leaner Cocaine Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, who we are trying to get rid of uh, with our friend Brad Barron, hashtag ditch Mitch, hashtag add Brad. Uh, would uh, this proposal would give unemployed workers an additional $200 a week on top of whatever benefits they receive through their state level programs. Um, they opposed, uh, propose, go ahead. Uh, as opposed to the 600 a week that people are getting right now. Right. Uh, the Senate Democrats are attempting to keep the $600 a week uh, benefits in place through March, 2021. If the economy does not improve. Okay. Which I'm willing to bet if you keep the $600 a week through March of 2021 going, the economy will not improve. Yeah, because that's more money than most of them would make working. Right. So they. Right. And that's on top of that $600 on top of what they're getting from their states. So like the CARES Act did in April, the HEALS Act calls for sending $1,200 direct payments to American households. Um, so, of course, this means that they don't have a lot of extra stuff in it to give to other businesses. Right, because as we know last time, uh, all that money just went directly to Americans because they spent – Roughly sixteen, fifteen, or sixteen thousand dollars, around sixteen thousand dollars per American, and they each got twelve hundred dollars. Right. I wonder where the rest of that money went. Yeah, because it didn't go to the people who gave them that money. To paid for it with interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. The CARES Act would also provide another infusion of. I'm not going to say that word. I'm going to call that taxpayer funded taxpayer cash. money. Yeah. yeah, taxpayer funded money um, to provide loans to small businesses that there keep employees on payroll during the crisis. Now, however, they did put a stipulation in this one. You have to have less than 300 employees. Well, I guess that's somewhat of an improvement because last time most of the stimulus <laughs> yeah, money, they, uh, it, it went to small businesses that were just affiliates of much larger businesses with thousands or tens of thousands or in some cases hundreds of thousands of employees. Uh, but they were individually claiming a, them as small businesses. If you want to talk about a very small step in the right direction, that was the smallest step. You could this would be a sniff in the correct direction. Right. Uh, it also includes. It was, a, it was a glance. Here's a sniff in the not right direction. The bill also includes legal liability protection for businesses and hospitals to protect them from lawsuits if customers or patients contract COVID unless the business is guilty of gross misconduct or willful ignorance. This is exactly how you would stop the spread of COVID. If you simply allowed businesses and organizations to be held liable, if there is a spread of COVID at their business, it would lead businesses to self-regulate in ways that are going to be much more effective than the government imposing a top-down, one-size-fits-all solution across the entire country. And yet, here we have them doing the opposite of that in a massive shock to no one. Ever. 
Another thing that won't come as a massive shock to anybody is the bill will include an amped up tax break intended to encourage Americans to eat out at restaurants. Let me rephrase that. That would encourage people who are still working to eat out at restaurants because it is because according to Tim Scott from South Carolina, I knew this. I I knew this was going to be a Tim Scott special because of because of all the restaurants here. Here we go. The bill included a 100% business meal deduction, uh, which was up from 50%. And he, Mr. Scott, Tim, says that with limited indoor dining, we can keep folks safe. It will lead to more orders, translate to more take-home pay, and more revenues for millions of small businesses. So this, I guess, is a step in the right direction because libertarians, Joe and I, propose 100% deduction for everything, ever you never right. you don't pay the government shouldn't be taxing you in the first place um so i guess business meal deductions are good it's something that they're letting you not have to pay taxes on so i guess that's yeah. good um now thankfully the bill also includes 105 billion dollars to help schools safely reopen it's not clear on whether the payments will be made available only to schools that decide to reopen, which means that it is a lie. Right. So if a school decides not to fully reopen, they may not be able to receive any of this money, which means that no money is actually going to be spent. Right. Or it's just given to all the schools, which means it was just $105 billion given to schools, which is something like double what they usually get. And of course, as we know, in the 50 plus years, or roughly 50 years, almost 50 years that the federal government has been involved in education at the federal level, uh, things have gotten way better. And by way better, I mean that they've spent almost $2 trillion and literacy rates have gone down. Yeah, the test scores all across the board have have gone down, yeah stagnated to gone down depending on which one some of them have stayed pretty level but most of them have gone down while spending continues to go now thankfully the average age listeners who can't see my hand motions up and down respectively um and then also thankfully uh it has 30 billion what republican bill wouldn't have this yeah 30 billion dollars for the military industrial complex sure uh, $686 million for new F-35s, which are one of the most proven ways to fight COVID-19 by killing yeah. people um, so that they cannot get COVID-19. That's right. And F-35s uh, definitely help people pay bills. Yes, they help people pay bills, uh, and they're all about healing. I think it's good that this is called the HEALS Act since it gives uh, a nearly a billion dollars for fighter jets. Thirty, thirty, yeah, thirty billion to the military. Thirty billion to the military, with three quarters. We can round that to three quarters. But, well, three, three, three quarters of a milli uh, for the uh, nearly one trillion dollar F thirty five program. I'm certain that that will fix it. Now, remember, this was just introduced, though. So, what we are looking at is the Democrats have a three trillion dollar proposal. The Republicans have a one trillion dollar proposal. Neither one of those two numbers is what it's going to be. No, it's if I'm gonna a be, man, it's going to be closer to the three or more. Usually the way that Democrat and Republican uh, negotiations work is Republicans say, I want to spend 
X. And the Democrats say, I want to spend X times three. And the Republicans say, you anti-American loser, uh, hater and loser and uh, commie. That's way too much. That's socialism. Our our X isn't is free market capitalism. And the Democrats go, you fascist Nazi. Three times what you want is good, but just what you want is not good. And then for some reason, they end up spending X four. Well, yeah. Right. X. It's X plus X times three. X times. Yeah, it's X four. Sure. Why would I say? Yeah. No, that's X four. I'm not right. I'm not good at algebra, Matt. Like, I'm not either. I think we <laughs> said the exact same thing. <laughs> X plus X three. Is literally it's one X plus three X's. Right. It's X4. It's X4. Right. That's what they do. So that's fantastic news. That's fantastic news. So be, we're going to be probably covering that. But remember that uh, they're only going to be in session till like August 4th, I think, before they get another break after their really hard two weeks at work. Yeah. No, it's tough. I can't imagine having to be a federal legislator and work for it, days at a time and then get to not work for way longer and real quick not all republicans i didn't put this in the notes i meant to not all republicans were are backing this okay i've also come up with a new nickname for this guy famed libertarian rand paul because his l is so small it's not even there oh he's like a, he's like a microscopic l libertarian yeah so he's just an libertarian <laughs> at this point libertarian i like it ron paul light Ron Paul Light, uh, he walked out of a meeting uh, with the GOP about this, and he said, why would we even talk about more uh, deficit spending? And to that, I say kudos. Nice job, Rand. Um, and if for whatever reason his vote is needed for it to pass, he'll, he'll vote. <laughs> guess what he's going to do? He's going to vote. What he has to. There's whatever. one person in Congress who has routinely said no to the Republicans and he's now a libertarian because they forced him out. Cause if you want to be a Republican or a Democrat, you can pound your chest on your, 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 you know, pet issues or beliefs or your philosophy all day long. When push comes to shove, if your vote is needed, you will vote for it. Vote for it. Or I will, I will give Massey. Massey will, he's about 90% good. He does a lot of good. He's also in Congress where he very often doesn't have to vote for it, where his vote's not needed. Um, There may come a moment where Thomas Massey has to decide whether he wants to be a Republican or whether he wants to stick with his principles. Uh, I was not happy to hear some of his concerns, uh, comments about uh, um, uh, police brutality uh, earlier this year. I was assured that this was a couple months ago. I was assured that he was just doing that so he'd win his primary which makes him a Republican. Yeah. So anyway, so we have some really good news is that now it is time for the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law anchor call in moment where, which is brought to you by personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. This is where you, our beloved, amazing viewers can literally, literally, Go to anchor.fm slash muddied waters and ask us questions by leaving a message 
on our old, on the old, on the old answering, on the old answering machine that's on anchor. And you can leave a message and we will answer it right here. You can also make a donation. Want to give us money? Uh, But you don't have to. If you don't want to give us money, we'll be sad. But you are free to always leave your messages and we will answer them. We have one today and then we also have an emailed uh, somebody, yeah, somebody did email in a question. Do you want to do the email first or the? Sure. Okay. Um, so here was, the, whichever. So here was the, uh, the question, it doesn't really matter, but here was the, the question by email um, from Brad. Uh, it says, in talking to my friends about the libertarian ballot, I've come across an argument that I don't know how to defend. What? Is Joe's and the party's response to government regulation of business? I'm thinking here about occupational safety and health admin, Food and Drug Administration, Environmental Protection Agency, etc. My friends and I agree on the spirit of those organizations. Society benefits from efforts and even requirements on industry to help us work, eat, and live safer. Simply aligning the market is one thing, but then isn't there room for Ford Motors to just decide it's cheaper to settle Pinto crash lawsuits than recall the problem? Didn't we establish OSHA out of an effort to make working in America safer? I've read ideas about creating private certifying organizations, but doesn't that just put us back in the same boat? That's a fantastic question. That's a great question. That is a really good question. And it's one. I will say that real quick before you answer that question, most of the questions that I get by email are not good questions. Most of those go immediately into the. Immediately in the not good question folder. I am deleting this entire thread because what are you on asking that? Because that makes, that's not even any. But that was a well that was a good one. Well written email. Yeah. So thank you, Brad. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for a good email, Brad. And folks, you too can send a not terrible email to muddied waters of freedom at is that the? No, it's just money. Yeah, muddied waters of freedom at gmail.com. Please, please just, just leave a good one. Because we get some I I read every one of them. And some of the stuff that has been said to me, not knowing it's me, of course, that comes through, it makes me weep. You're Just hurting Matt. Weep. Stop hurting my co-host and heterosexual life partner, please. Please. Hashtag stop hurting Matt. So, Brad, this is a fantastic question. It speaks to a lot of concerns that even some libertarians have, which is if government is not regulating things, then how will the market be able to provide? We have to look at the, at, the, at the fact that these were originally created from market demand. The market demanded uh, that changes be made. And changes started being made when, when labor unions were first organizing. It was to collectivize and uh, grow uh, and, 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 and uh, uh, solidify and unify the, the, the organizing and bargaining power of labor uh, to be able to agitate for better conditions. Uh, and eventually the government realized that this was something they could get on for themselves. So they created these agencies that were supposedly set up to protect us. But we see what they've done. All of these agencies, health and safety and, and environmental and everything else, they serve some roles. And here are what those roles are. They create legislation. They create regulations, which uh, and, and it's at both they both create reg, uh, legislation and executive regulations, agency based regulations that largely make it impossible for small and medium businesses to 
compete. They make it increasingly difficult and sometimes impossible for smaller, more disruptive and, 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 and innovative and dynamic companies to compete because they can't afford the initial cost of compliance to be able to even grow in the first place. These regulations just so happen to be written by crony lobbyists uh, who make their way into these agencies that are crony lobbyists for the big companies who, coincidentally enough, uh, happen to have a vested interest in smaller competitors not being able to rise up and threaten their market share. So that's one thing they do. The next thing they do is that when the large companies inevitably abuse those regulations, so if we're talking environmental, they leak, they spill, they dump, they do whatever uh, to, to, to harm the environment, or if we're talking health and safety, they infringe upon the, the health and safety concerns of their, of their workers, they get protected against lawsuits. They get indemnified against actual lawsuits, or they get shuttled into these uh, federally run um, federally run uh, uh, class actions that often give little money to the actual workers and give most of it to the attorneys and the government. Yay, government. And then the other thing they do is they externalize the cost of cleanup and damage to you, the taxpayer, who often were also the one who was hurt by the thing that happened. So that's what happens when you put powerful people in charge of protecting you against their friends, the powerful people who bought and paid for them to be in office. So your secondary question, how does the free market handle it? It's very simple. If you get government out of it and you allow for a truly undisrupted, uncoercive free market, when a company is a bad actor, not only will they be ripped to shreds by various uh, lawsuits and actions against them, but also by removing those barriers and burdens that are put in place to stop their smaller competitors to rising up, their smaller competitors will rise up. People will say, I don't want to buy Pintos that explode. I want to buy this new car that doesn't explode. Yay, cars that don't explode. And then they will say, uh, I don't want to uh, buy cereal from this company that uses slave labor to pound their oats or whatever. I want to buy cereal from this other company that treats their employees well. Yay, not slavery flakes. So this is how the market this is how the market fixes it. Yes, private certification agencies also have a, a, a role as well. If if there is a private organization that says in order for us, you to have our official good cornflakes uh, or cars that don't blow up mark of approval, you have to demonstrate these various things and we will come in and, and you have to pay a, a fee for us to, to demonstrate that you're complying. And then people will see that mark and go, hey, this is one of those cars that doesn't blow up because it's been approved by the National Association of People Who Make Cars That Don't Blow Up. And uh, or, you know, hey, these cornflakes aren't made by chattel slaves because this came from the, the International Consortium of People Who Don't Make Slaves Pound Their Oats and so uh, or the cornflakes or whatever. Um, and so that's how, how you can do that. Is it perfect? No, no system is perfect. Does it remove the cronyism? Yeah, because it puts you in charge. It takes the power and the wealth out of the hands and the decision-making out of the hands of the craven pandering politicians, the bureaucratic state they've created, which is funneled by the bureaucratic, uh, by, by the, the well-heeled, politically connected billionaire cronies that have bought and paid for them to be in office. And it puts that power and that wealth and that decision-making ability back in your hand 
as the consumer where it always should have belonged. So that is the answer to that. And it was a great question. It was a a great question. Real quick, uh, I want to pull it back up. I'm just pulling it up on my phone here where he said, (laughs) damn slavery flakes took our gerbs. That's correct. Where did he say it? Not slavery flakes. Breakfast of champions. These comments. Oh yeah. Are just- yeah. Uh, isn't there room for Ford Motors to just decide it's cheaper to settle Pinto crash lawsuits than recall the problem? Yeah. So here's here's the thing. That's what they do now. They figure out what the cost of lawsuits would be averaged out, and exactly. Then they- figure out what the cost of a recall is. And when the government indemnifies them against damage, that cost of lawsuits goes down. Sorry, go ahead. The cost of recall, if the cost of recall is higher than the cost of the lawsuits, they will go with the lawsuits. They already do this. This isn't new. This isn't something that would happen if. This is already happening. And what Spike said about the government. Go ahead. What Spike said about the government indemnifying them <laughs> is also correct. So a lot, of, a lot of the problems that you think are going to happen if we get rid of these things are already yep. going on. Exactly. Often when people say, you know, but without government, who would protect us against the things that are happening right now with right. government supposedly protecting us against them? And yep. these things are said often without a tremendous amount of irony then that's okay. Exactly. That's okay. We still love them, but that's is what's happening. So the bottom line is that, uh, Oh, and, and, and also we focus on the lawsuits. There's also just the fact that when you remove all of those barriers and burdens, there can be more actors in that sector. You can have more providers. So again, it's not just, I can sue them when my Pinto explodes. It's I'm going to go buy instead of a Pinto, I'm going to buy a Lima. Bean. I'm gonna go buy a, a. I'm gonna go buy a. a I'm gonna go buy a non-explody car from the non-explody go car a, corp. I'm gonna go buy a refried. A refried. Ooh, actually, that. Now I'm hungry. I'm gonna go buy a. Go buy a nor, great northern white. Which, God, which doesn't explode. I'm getting punchy. I'm gonna go buy a car that doesn't explode. And I, there are many more cars that are being provided, and so many of them don't explode now because the government isn't protecting the splody car makers. So that's really how that works. Is it again? Is it perfect? No. Will there ever be never be cars that don't explode, or, or never be cars that explode again? No. No. That's not how this how any of this works. But will it greatly reduce the amount of abuse that's happening by taking the power that, out of the hands of the powerful and putting it back in your hands where it belonged, decentralizing things at the community level? Absolutely. Yeah. No. It absolutely will. And Daniel McCarthy has a great point. Uh, vaping was an unregulated Wild West, and God, those were good times. Those were beautiful, beautiful times for yep. people who vaped. Uh, and they removed diacetyl on their own, which is true. They did. Like vaping, the vaping industry as a whole was like, well, we how do we make this safer than cigarettes? How do we make this the healthier alternative? I'm not saying it's healthy, um, although, but it's I healthier. Think, it's better it's than healthier. lung cancer. I can swim two miles straight without without too much of an issue right now. And uh, you guys see how much I vape. This isn't just on the show. This is all the time. Um, yeah. I have vape. to deal with this man when he doesn't have his vape. Yeah. And it is unfortunate. And it, it happens very quickly. This and is unsettlingly. Like my, what was the, uh, what Charlie Brown's friend Linus? The one that always had the blanket. Yes. 
Yeah, this is my blanket. Another good example would be crack. That's also a great example. But we'll go with we'll go with blanket. <laughs> this thing that I smoke or else I f- lose my mind is like a blanket. It is. It makes me feel all warm inside. Or crack. That does crack. that too. Crack also <laughs> makes you. Eh. So speaking crack, of but... we definitely don't smoke crack uh, anymore. Um, so here is uh, the we do have a call in question. So we're going to take yeah, that. I, we got we got two more while we were doing. Wow. This. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, these are. Oh, wow. I like the short questions because they scare me. Yeah. The long so, ones. Is, the long oh, ones oh, usually aren't as scary. The short ones are kind of. I, I scary. get worried about the long. Uh, I don't get worried about the long ones. The short ones, I'm like, he may just come on here and say something really inappropriate. Well, we're, we're, well, let's all find out together, folks. So here's the first one uh, from Jorge Mendoza. Would libertarian deregulation allow for uh, child labor laws to become null and void, and allow for child labor abuse? Thanks for answering my question. Thank you for that, Jorge. So, um, I mean, first of all, we don't have a prioritization of, of getting rid of child labor laws. What I will say is this. Child labor is a reaction to the realities that are created by the government and its well-heeled, powerful cronies uh, in countries that still allow it. Uh, what happens is when people are put into a position that is so low – uh, and and into a uh, a situation of generational poverty as a result of their power and their wealth uh, being taken from them, they now have to resort to things like child labor and even child slavery, where they literally sell or lease their children off to do some of the most backbreaking work uh, that often kills them because they will all starve if they don't. Um, removing those barriers and burdens and control that is happening at the top from those well-heeled political cronies and s- instead, you know, get, uh, deregulating the, uh, not even dereg- decentralize, decentralizing the market and giving the power back to the consumer and the power back to the people uh, and, and, and ending the theft from them of their power and their wealth and their opportunities. We're not going to be talking about child labor anymore. We're going to be talking about wealthy children because, you know, they're, they've already had, you know, great amounts of wealth bequeathed to them by their ever-growing, uh, prosperous uh, families and, and, and communities. So that won't be uh, the same issue as it is now. Here's what we have right now uh, is this sort of arbitrarily defined age when you can't work at all. Unless you're doing it for your family, and then it's okay. But if it's for someone else, you can't. And so, for example... Uh, when I wanted to do some stuff uh, like bussing tables and things like that during the summer to have some extra money in my pocket, it was my choice that I wanted to. I couldn't legally do it until I was 14 or no, 15, 14 or 15. I think uh, 15. In Virginia, it was 15 with a permit, 16 without. I think it was 15. And so some may have just worked illegally at those ages. Not me. But some may have done that. And some may have said, I'm going to do it anyway and work under the table because why should the government tell me that I can't choose to go bust tables uh, if I want to have some extra money in my pocket? Some might do that for two summers. 
like I had a lawn mowing business growing up when I was like 12, 13 and 14. Mm-hmm. And then I hated waking up early on Saturdays and I stopped doing lawn mowing. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, like I was, I was well under the legal age to work and I had my own business and I was running it and nobody ever came to say anything to me about it. There was never a, there was never an issue. Same thing. People, uh, kids, I don't think they do this anymore. I'm not a hundred percent sure because I don't see papers that much anymore, but kids used to have paper routes and this was only 20 Not that long ago. ago. Yeah. It was like 20, 25, 30 years ago. Yeah. So there are laws on child labor laws are dependent on state and kind of picky and choosy on what they are allowed to do. What they're allowing to do. Child labor laws are ruining this country. Right. So we're going to go with these next two questions. And Real hmm. quick, uh, to Katie Wright. One, that is my sister's name, so I will never forget this conversation. And two, yes, this is the uh, smock or smoke, however you want to pronounce it, Nord. Uh, I love this thing. It's like a roll of quarters in your hand at all times uh or fantastic. crack but you can crack you don't you don't get that good you don't get that good support sure kind of kind of get the opposite well it's hot <laughs> right it's like really and, hot so you try not to hold it more than you have to i'm told right it's true and the glass breaks and I've, I've been told that as well. Right. By the way, Matt and I are both recovering drug addicts. So yeah. yeah uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, okay, cool. So now we oh, have her, these two. Her dad's name is Matt, right? This is insanity. This is insanity. What is even happening on this show anymore? I don't, I don't, are you sure that's not your sister or your daughter? Is this how old, Katie, how old are you? <laughs> Let me go look at Katie's profile. Yeah, take a look at Katie's profile. Let me know how old Katie is. This could be your that, daughter. That would be really weird because I don't know I have one. Matt, Katie could be your daughter. I think Katie is your no. uh, your daughter. Katie is not my daughter. She kind of looks like you. I'm pretty sure this is you, your daughter, Katie. She's, she's 22. Mathematically, that doesn't make sense. I mean, it... It's not impossible. It, no, literally, that's impossible. That's your daughter. Um, <laughs> so while you guys uh, rec- make up and, and, and reunite, um, I'm going to really, I just cannot wait to play these because they're like the short ones that I haven't had a chance to listen to yet. So here we go, folks. Some of the stuff that has been said Spike. Have you shown vermin your bag of shekels? There we go. Um, I don't show anyone my bag of shekels, if it even exists. No one. The bag of shekels. No one sees that. And first of all, how dare you? And we don't. I'm not even acknowledging that I have it. So no. All right, here's this next one, which I hope is just equally. Here we go. Spike, how is Alexander Hamilton the absolute worst founding father? And how is he responsible for the modern baking schemes? 
It's not a loaded question at all. Um, so, Josh, I think, you know, so the, the worst is certainly not a good one. Um, but I will say that, uh, well, Alex Hamilton at all were, were the people that, you know, felt that the uh, Articles of Confederation did not allow the government to be centralized enough. Uh, and the uh, and and he and, and others pushed to illegally replace the uh, the old Articles of Confederation there with the Constitution because the Articles of Confederation said that everything had to have a unanimous approval. They instead went with a uh, what supermajority, uh, which was illegal. Um, the anti-federalist. Also, uh, go ahead. He also went to speak to King George behind the back of George Washington, technically committing treason at that point. Oh. Uh, spent a lifetime, spent a lifetime uh, torturing and what we would now call bullying uh, Aaron Burr. So when Aaron Burr had already lost his wife, his kids, and his grandkids, and he shot him, I get it. Uh, and he created the first centralized bank. which is how he became the secretary of the treasury. So yeah, no, he was just, he was awful. He was awful. He, he was awful. Awful, awful. And yet I find it odd that the reason he never became president was because of an affair. We're, we're a, a moral nation, Matt. Back then, possibly more, are possibly Ish, able to argue minus of, that whole slavery thing and, and the, the murder Murder and raping, raping slaves thing. Right. Genocide. But do not cheat on your wife. Don't cheat on your wife. Alexander Hamilton also, uh, he also uh, grew up, he grew up poor, but his wife didn't. And he uh, had, their family had a lot of slaves. Like Thomas Jefferson did not have that many slaves. Eat your heart out, TJ. And he never released them, even though he said, we need to release the slaves. He never released his. Um, he never did any of that. He treated his wife terribly. Uh, Aaron Burr actually loved his wife very much throughout their courtship. And Alexander Hamilton is off. Like I've seen the, I've seen the, I've seen the show, the play, the movie, whatever you want to call it. And then it's good, but they, portray him to be much better of a person than he actually was. He was yeah. awful. He was so, awful. Some say that he laid the groundwork for a small government that would inevitably grow into the monster that we have today. A Chia government, if you will. Right. <laughs> yes. A Chia government. A Chia government. Holy crap, it just keeps on a growing. <laughs> Hamilton. So those that is the end of the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor call-in moment. Thank you again, everyone, for tuning in with your questions. Speaking of... Hey, do you hate Democrats? Well, I've got a new reason. I've got a new reason to hate them even more. I hope you do. I sure do. Um, so... Weed. Weed. Speaking weed. of things that grow, sure. weed grows. So it has to because it's a weed. 
I don't know if anybody knows this. It's 2020. Does, did everybody know that, that it's 2020? It's literally 20 years after 2000. It is literally 20 years after It is the current year. And according to Pew Research, back in 2010 was the first time that Americans polled more than 50% that weed should be legalized. That was 10 years ago. That was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. That was 10 years ago. And now it's hovering right around 70. 67 is, I think, where it's at right now, but 67 to 70. Yes. Um, so one intelligent people would presume that the party that promotes themselves as the party of criminal justice reform would have jumped on the chance to make marijuana marijuana legalization part of their platform. Since that would be like a major thing to do in light of the fact that marijuana being illegal is a gateway to the prison pipeline that leaves so many people uh, in prison for essentially the rest of their lives. And according to Joe Biden, last November, marijuana is a gateway drug. Joe uh, Biden pictured here being on weed. And I had a nurse at, at uh, nurses at uh, Walter Reed Hospital who would bend down and whisper in my ear. You cannot tell me that weed is not involved pillows. in this. They would make sure they'd actually, probably nothing ever taught in, uh, you can't do it in the COVID time, but they'd actually breathe in my this. nostrils to make me move to get get me moving <laughs> so two things here one some kind of drug is involved in that statement two don't breathe into people's nostrils ever yeah, don't don't do that COVID-19 should not have been the moment for you to stop doing that right. um no I'm not gonna say that um, so I'm not going to release that much about myself to people. Yeah, I definitely please. I don't even know what you were going to say, but don't. Uh, but now on Monday, speaking of things that should have never been said. On Monday, the Democratic National Committee rejected an amendment to put a plank supporting marijuana legalization into the party's platform. This wasn't just like legislation to actually do it. This was just a plank in their platform calling for not an end to the war on drugs, just the legalization of weed. Yep. Now, of odd, weed. Of weed. Now, oddly, the vote came of in. Of weed. Six, came in at 50 to 106. Or, as some quick-minded people may have seen already or figured out really quickly, exactly the opposite contrast to how it polls in the country. Yeah, 60-something percent, yeah. Yeah, 67% of the people say, yeah, it should be legalized. I can't do the math on that really quickly, but it's roughly 67%. No, we're not putting that on our platform. Yeah, of Democrats. This is 2020. This is the year where the authoritarian Republican President Donald Trump is in office who has said in the past that he's even okay with it being legalized. And, and yet, you know, the, go ahead. To Jordan, to Jordan on YouTube, uh, just because he says, he, she, I don't know, I, I apologize. Jordan says, uh, I hate this argument. Just because you make it legal doesn't mean an employer will hire you using it even for recreational purposes. And no, they shouldn't have to. Yeah. That and by the way, 
the reason it doesn't mean that, but it it actually kind of does. And here's why, Jordan. The reason they're saying that you can't use weed is because they don't want to be legally liable for what happens that would not even have anything to do with you being on weed. But if you are on weed, it will be blamed for it. The the government, the state and federal governments will blame it on that. And now you can be held liable in court much more easily because it wasn't just an employee doing something wrong. It was an employee on drugs doing something wrong. So no. Getting rid of those regulations doesn't instantly end that, but it ends the reason they're doing it in the first place. Companies aren't saying, man, I don't want my employees on weed because weed's bad. They're doing it because they're protecting themselves from liability. That's why they're drug testing. So you get rid of the liability from the the, the fact that it's illegal, and yeah, it kind of does get rid of that. Right. So 50 to 106. 50 said yes. Let's put this as the plank. 106 said no. We don't want legalized weed now weed we not not the war on drugs not ending the war on drugs which is what we should actually be talking about weed nearly three quarters of americans recognize that there's no reason for weed to be illegal yeah this is the equivalent of the of of Joe Biden being asked about nurses and saying something about how he gets up and and a moving when people breathe into his nostrils. They were given a perfect opportunity. No, it really is if you think about it. Because just like that. Because if you if they were given a perfect opportunity to say, hey, we're the party of legal weed, and instead they said, No, we're overwhelmingly not the party of legal weed, meaning that there's only one party of legal weed, and that's that's Joe that, that's Joe and me. That's Joe and me are the only ones at the federal level pushing for legal weed. The platform will retain language uh, that Democratic nominee and former Vice President Joe Biden. Yeah, okay. I was reading that wrong. Uh, The platform will retain language that the Democratic nominee and former Vice President Joe Biden hammered out with criminal justice task force that includes some Bernie supporters, some of the Bernie brethren. That's in the new plank of the platform says overlay. (laughs) Says Democrats will decriminalize marijuana and use use and reschedule it through executive action on the federal level. We will support legislation of medical marijuana and believe states should be able to make up their own decisions about recreational use. The Justice Department should not launch federal prosecutions of conduct that is legal at the state level. All past criminal convictions for cannabis uh, cannabis use should be automatically expunged. Now, reading that, it's like, that doesn't sound so bad. But... But but let's take a look at the Justice Department should not launch federal prosecutions of conduct that is legal at the state level. Uh Uh-oh. So for roughly the last three years, three and a half years or so, we have heard that the executive branch, that the presidency has too much power over the Department of Justice. 
are you now saying that the executive branch that the president is going to be telling the Department of Justice you can't go after these people? Because all you're doing is decriminalizing it. You are not making it legal. That means they can still go after them. That means that that means that they are openly calling for the president to ignore the law as they see fit, which has lots of precedent there. But why not just get rid of the law? If you're already blue sky thinking on this thing, why wouldn't you just say, get rid of the law? And then that way, there's no question about whether it'll get enforced or not. Well, thankfully, folks, there's a campaign out there that's saying just that. Get rid of the laws. In the meantime, we won't enforce them at the federal level, but we also want to actually get rid of the laws uh, so that you don't even have to face them in the first place. And that is the Jorgensen Cohen platform. And just because you reschedule, just because you reschedule something, uh, reschedule something to a different uh, schedule class, schedule act, I don't remember what it's called. Uh, just because you reschedule it doesn't mean that it is now perfectly fine to use. There, schedule five means 21 and up. Schedule four is where the prescription, I used to know all of these because yeah. they were trying to ban things that I cared about. Right, 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 right. And... Just because it's been switched, right now weed is a Schedule 1, which is on par with, um, I think, meth? It's higher than heroin. It's higher than heroin. I think meth, LSD, and weed are like Schedule 1. Yeah. Meth, LSD, and weed. I think those are the Schedule 1s. It means you can't even legally research it for medicinal purposes at the federal level. Right. Like you can with heroin. Right. Which is a schedule two. Right. Right. So just because it's been rescheduled doesn't mean that all of a sudden it's going to be a free for all. Everybody gets to go out and get stoned. It means that should the Justice Department decide to go after you, they can and they will. Just because they said the Justice Department shouldn't do it doesn't mean that the Justice Department isn't going to do it. And on the state and local levels, Marijuana offenses still account for 40% of drug-related arrests, and most of those aren't for dealing or uh, trafficking, but they are for possession. And as somebody who's been arrested for possession, that was a load of just pure... That was garbage. It was garbage. Garbage. Load of garbage. Excuse my French. Um, and this is about raising revenue, folks. It's about two things. It's about raising revenue and criminalizing you. Now you got a record. Now they can go after you for other stuff. Now they can tell you, you can't do this, you can't do that because you got a record. And if you do it, now they can put you in jail for doing that thing while you had a record, even though it would have been fine if you hadn't had a record. It's about criminalizing you as soon as possible so that they can do whatever they want with you. So they can put you in prison and use you as a chattel slave for free prison labor to the benefit of multi-billion dollar for-profit prison labor contractors that make so much money that they are traded on the stock market. And we know from the, uh, I forget his name, but the architect of the war on drugs under uh, under Richard Nixon, he said this had nothing to do with making uh, Americans safer or healthier or fighting addiction. Uh, it was about criminalizing Hippies and blacks and Mexicans, as he put it. Is that That's all it was about. 
Yeah, that's how he put it. He said, you can't arrest people for being hippies or black or Mexican, but you can go after their drug of choice. Yep. Oh. Yep. I think he would have used different words. Uh, well, that's the version I read. Maybe it was slightly different. But, uh, but yeah, it was about going after people they wanted to go after who didn't vote Republican and who were against uh, the things that Nixon and, the, and, and really the Republicans and Democrats were doing on a daily basis. We certainly can't blame the Republican Party for this because, as we just talked about at the beginning of this thing, 50 years later, here come the Democrats to overwhelmingly vote to keep it illegal, just in case you thought they were even remotely serious about criminal justice reform. They're not. So uh, Biden, after all these years, is still resistant to full marijuana legalization. So worse than better than Trump. Not on this. And again, yeah, right. And again, last year he said it was a gateway drug, like in November. I don't remember the exact time, but it was somewhere around November and they said, hey, gateway you, drug. you need to tone that back. Yeah. And then he switched it this year to, I'd like, you know, maybe I'll look at uh, decriminalization, you know, because I knew people back in Delaware. And then he went on a long rambling story about mm. Delaware. Yeah. Um, people quickly. Um, he didn't, he may have done that. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to keep up. Um, let me tell you about corn pop. Let me tell you about corn pop. Oh, friend corn, corn pop. Was a bad dude. Corn pop was a bad dude. Corn pop was a bad dude. <laughs> but this is um, this is 2019. The Democratic nominee for president says that yep. marijuana is a gateway drug, which, by the way, is nonsense. The person who first coined the term gateway drug, who was with the DEA, came up with it out of thin air while being asked about it during a press conference. There is no science about gateway drugs. It is all garbage. He was asked why marijuana should be, he or she was, I forget if it was a man or a woman, was asked why it should be illegal when it was less harmful than alcohol. And so they just made up the term, it's a gateway to worse drugs. There's no study showing that. Do you know what is a, a gateway to worse drugs? The black market, making drugs illegal. You know Why? Because if you're going to get arrested and go to prison for selling drugs, you might as well do it for the ones that make you more money. Yeah, because as a person who has never sold weed ever, 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 you don't make a lot of money doing it. Ever. Ever. We've never. Ever. We would never. And like decriminalization, yes, that is an improvement. It is an improvement. But it still leaves in place the system for unequal enforcement. Right. And that is a big thing. And as we all know, as everybody who watches our show regularly knows, black people are more likely to be arrested or punished for marijuana possession than white people in states where marijuana has only been decriminalized. So it actually makes it more unequal. It actually makes it more unequal. Because it's already unequal. Black people are more likely to be arrested for marijuana uh, use and distribution than white people, even though white people are actually slightly more likely to use and distribute marijuana. 
in a similar way that black people are more like are many times more likely to be in jail on a gun charge, even though white people are considerably more likely to own firearms because gun control is also racist. But that's another subject. Uh, with decriminalization, it actually makes it even more lopsided because now you put the discretion in the hands of police officers who have demonstrated disproportionate racial bias. Guess what happens? So, uh, if the Democrats want to actually show that they are for criminal justice reform, they would make their candidates say that legalization needs to happen and show how it would help black communities. Instead, he says... And I had a nurse at, at, uh, nurses at uh, Walter Reed Hospital who would bend down and whisper in my ear. Wow. And go home and get me pillows. They Who's would make sure wow. they'd actually... Probably nothing ever taught in, uh, you can't do it in the COVID time, but they'd actually breathe in my nostrils to make me move, to get get me moving. I just realized someone was, who's saying wow during that? So it's it's the host of the podcast that he's on is saying wow. Can you imagine your job being to hear something like that and try to pretend that that's important or it isn't I, so, so this is frightening? The way that I, this is the way that I envision it is instead of her going, wow, like, that is so touching, I'm going, I think she's saying, wow, this is the dumbest thing I have ever I got to hear, let me hear the wow, let me hear the wow. And I had a nurse at, at uh, nurses at uh, Walter Reed Hospital who would bend down and whisper in my ear. Wow. And go, that is, you're right. It's someone going, oh, my gosh. Right, because he just said, he just I had said nurse, that. I had a nurse or nurses at Walter Reed Hospital who would bend down and whisper in my ear. Wow. You. What? <laughs> what? Oh. oh, I. Oh, so. Good news. We don't have to live this way. If Brianna, we choose Brianna, Brianna, I don't know how to say your last name, our old uh, on Facebook says it's Owen Wilson. <sighs> wow. Oh, it might have been Owen Wilson. <laughs> wow. And so they were just responding like they always do. So fantastic news, folks. You don't have to actually vote for Republicans or Democrats. You can vote. For that really silences in my, you. What? That is like a silencer, a suppressor, if you will. Oh, can you not hear me well? Like you can, but it really, it really cuts uh, you down. It, does this sound better? No. Oh God. How about this? Well, now you can't see it with it. Folks, the good news is that you, the good news, damn it. Um, you can vote for us. Uh, and so we had a really great time this week. I flew out to beautiful Chicago, Illinois, and hung out in Chicago and Springfield and um, Peoria, had a great time there, and uh, and uh, we submitted all of our um, all of our paperwork to be on the ballot in Illinois. I gave a, a stump speech, or actually, all of us gave stump speeches during a press conference where we blasted the Republicans and Democrats, and uh, and then we went to uh, I had uh, an interview, uh, well, many many interviews, but I had a live TV inter- studio interview in Peoria. Had a meet and greet there. Did stuff in East Dundee. Got interviewed by John Cass, one of the most influential uh, reporters in in the in Illinois, uh, in the Great Lakes region. And uh, and then I went to 
Um, then after that, I flew to beautiful Columbus, Ohio, to take part in the Libertarian Party of Ohio's uh, national convention. Had a great time at their meet and greet. Gave a rousing keynote speech there. Uh, it's 45 minutes long, so we're not going to play it now, but we are getting the audio and video of that, so we will be putting that up very soon. Uh, but something really cool happened during the convention. We found out that there was a Black Lives Matter protest happening in Columbus at, at the State House. Columbus is the capital of Missouri. And I thought, well, that's where we need to be. So I went to my libertarian friends there at LP Ohio and said, hey, guess where we need to be? Not here. Let's go to the protest. So a bunch of us went to the protest and I got to meet with uh, some of the organizers that were there. I'm pictured there looking like really confused. But I, uh, I was talking with the uh, with the protesters uh, and organizers of the protest there. They shared their concerns, told me about what they uh, what they were advocating for. Um, and, uh, I told them after I listened to what they had to say and what their concerns were, um, I then, uh, told them about, uh, what our policies were, what, um, what the, uh, what the, uh, Libertarian Party was proposing, what Joe and I were proposing in terms of criminal justice reform, ending the war on drugs, uh, ending the, uh, you know, the, the, these policies that are systematically enforced against communities of color, um, you know, disproportionately higher than other communities. And, um, and based on that, they gave me their endorsement right then. They endorsed uh, Joe and I, and they also endorsed the entire Libertarian Party. And they have since been going on uh, now, keep in mind, this is the local group. It's not the entire Black Lives Matter organization, uh, but it's a start. And they endorsed uh, our campaign and the entire party uh, and have been very vocal in promoting it uh, ever since. We then, while we were there, we met with some Boogaloo boys, or sorry, some CNN boys uh, who were well armed and they were there to basically you just made it so the entire show gets taken down. CNN, CNN, this is CNN, uh, met with some CNN uh, folks. Uh, who were armed and who were there to basically stand between the protesters and those who would tear gas them. And because that has happened in the past there in Columbus. Noticing a free the people shirt behind like. Yes. Yeah. From Matt Kibbe. Yeah. 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 Don't hurt people. I have that shirt. Oh, cool. Yeah. Don't don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. And so we had uh, some, some uh, CNN boys uh, of all different uh, colors who were there and who were there to protect the uh, protesters against uh, anyone who might try to, you know, tear gas them or pepper spray them. That had happened before uh, there at the Capitol steps. Didn't happen this time, oddly enough. Weird. Really, it's just weird. 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 It's just weird. And then we went. I why. Then we went to the Waffle House because I am the, I am the chair of the Waffle House caucus. There's one of my newest supporters there on the back right who works at Waffle House. There's also, there's a lot happening in this photo. There's a lot going on in this. There's photo. a lot of stuff happening in this photo. I, I am the only sober person in this photo. I believe including that employee. Probably. I believe including that employee. So we had a great time. Um, then we flew back yesterday and now I'm home. And on Thursday I will be flying to beautiful Pennsylvania. And when you say where in Pennsylvania, yes, 
I'm going through all of Pennsylvania. At all of it. West, Central, and East. All the way on through. Uh, and we're going there. Uh, Joe and I are actually both going there. We're attending a series of uh, mini rallies across the state to help boost turnout for our efforts to get ourselves and the rest of the Libertarian slate on the ballot in Pennsylvania. Then we will be taking our tour bus. We got a tour bus. Taking our tour bus to beautiful Annapolis, Maryland, where we will be submitting our Maryland ballot paperwork. And then we'll be having some kind of celebration there. And then I will be back home next week on Tuesday. To Johnny Garrett, which one, which book are you, which book of mine are you reading right now? Oh, wow. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very curious on which one you are reading because I, because we'd like to know what book. What, I, book yeah. I want to, I want to know which one you went with. Which one are you reading? Which one are you reading? So, and, and, and do you like it? Yeah, do you like it? So, I'm going to go pass out now because I have been doing a lot of interviews and I have to repack all the stuff I just unpacked to go to fly again. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds like It's fun. a lot of fun. I love what I'm doing. I'm more alive than I've ever been. I love meeting with libertarians and setting them on fire for liberty and setting them, uh, you know, getting them excited about the ability that we have and the opportunity that we have to use empathetic and dynamic and engaging messaging to reach people where they are, to go into their spaces from their precepts, validate their concerns and reflect to them how our common sense libertarian policies are the way to fix those problems as I did at the Black Lives Matter rally. And there's nothing special about me. Well, Oh, he's reading Gibby's book. He's not reading my book. Oh, yeah, that's so that's so disappointing. You should read one of Matt's Bright's books. I mean, they have nothing to do with politics, but you should definitely read. Just read them anyway. Yeah, read them anyway. Just read them anyway. So, uh, so I'm you know I love doing that. I love uh, you know getting libertarians excited about spreading the word as happy warriors for liberty, fighting for a world set free in our time. And and I love meeting with people who've never heard of libertarianism and see the light bulb moments they have when they realize that they finally found their political home. Uh, it's why I started this campaign, not just to get us elected into office and to get other libertarians elected into office, but also to spread the message of liberty, to grow the movement and the party so that we can be free, so that we can elect libertarians and dismantle these systems that the Republicans and Democrats have created. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. And uh, so I am... I will say that out of all the libertarian candidates that I have seen slash worked for slash supported, you do the most outreach outside of the party. Most libertarian candidates, most libertarian candidates that I see, they, they come to an area and they talk to libertarian affiliate, libertarian party affiliates, or they go to the conventions and they talk to them there. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of it. That's kind of it. It's like they're just trying to become a celebrity in a small pond is the best way that I've always kind of put it, where you are actually trying to advance the message and get out there to people who have never heard the message. 
And what I'm also doing is I am going into libertarian spaces and encouraging them to join us in doing that, that that's where the real action is. That's how we win elections. That's how we change the cultural conversation. Go to where they are. They don't have to agree with property rights yet for us to talk to them. They don't have to agree with self-ownership. They don't have to agree with non-aggression. They don't have to, you know, pledge to the nap. They don't have to read Rothbard. They don't have to do any of that. We can go to where they are. We aren't in control right now. And because we aren't in control, we aren't in a position to tell people what they have to do before we listen to them. We need to go. Nor is that a good way of evangelizing a message. You go to people where they are, you bring them in, and then from there, you share the message with them. But you got to make that connection first. So I'm very excited to do that. I love doing it. I do certainly get tired at times because there's just, I'm doing a lot, but I am on fire every single day. I am, uh, I feel more alive than I've ever felt before. And it is so exciting to see the light bulb moments happen with people finding out about libertarians and the, the light bulb moment with libertarians where they realize we can win, we can succeed, we can change the conversation. It's just a matter of how we, how we do that, how we, uh, you know, how we move forward on that, um, the best way to reach people. And it's very exciting to do that. And I'm very uh, honored to be a part of that. And uh, I'm happy to have all of you in this movement that we're building. And I thank you for that. So we will be, I am 50-50 on whether I'm doing an episode of of uh, of the, of the my fellow Americans uh, tomorrow just because my schedule is so crazy. Um, but I may be doing it. I am going to be on Dave Smith's part of the problem tomorrow. I don't know if that's live or pre-recorded, uh, but I will be doing it regardless. Uh, so it'll, it'll either be live or pre-recorded and, and shown some other time. Uh, if it is live, I'll be sharing it on uh, on Muddy Waters and on uh, on on my page as well. Uh, and if it's pre-recorded, then once it's up, I'll be sharing it. Um, I'll, I'll be doing some other interviews as well, uh, and then on Thursday I'll be flying out. Uh, so then tune in next week, Tuesday, right now on Muddy Waters Media for the next episode of the Muddy Waters of Freedom, where Matt Wright and I parse through the week's event like the the sweet summer boys that we are. Matt, if someone was trying to find us on the internet with their fingers, is that even possible? And if so, how would they do that? It would it would be possible. They wouldn't even have to use their fingers anymore, I don't think. I think that nowadays you can just kind of speak. And wow. Get there. Yeah, I know. Technology is crazy. That's fantastic. Uh, it's just wonderful. Um, you can find... The sweet, sultry, buttery goodness of our voices. Hey, everybody. Streaming to you. That's why I go in here. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I got a sign. At anchor.fm slash muddied waters. Do you like signs? And while you're there, you can hit the old message button to leave us comments, questions, concerns that we will play live on the air. We'll play most of them live on the air. That's the sound of a sign. (laughs) You can also hit the old donate button so we can continue to bring you this high quality programming that you have come to know. Signs are made out of corrugated plastic and they make a little noise when you do the thing. So folks, thanks again for tuning in. And you can also find this in every other episode of MuddyWatersMedia.com. It's ASMW. Huh? Because Muddy Waters? 
<laughs> so folks, thanks again for tuning in. Have a great night. And where we're going, we don't need roads.